Welcome into Rick and Bubba University. We're excited that you're with us again. Rick and Bubba University, uh, an original podcast every week when, you know, five hours worth of the Rick and Bubba gang is just not enough and four hours of yours truly, Rick and Bubba. If that just will not do, Bubba, we give you another 45 minutes on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. And we're glad to be here. And, Rick, we have a great guest today, somebody we've wanted to close the gap with for many, many years because we're, we're a big fan of his, and that's Reese Davis from ESPN. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to him here in just a sec, and you have to ask that uncomfortable question. Until today, was Reese uncomfortable with acknowledging that he may have some connection to us in some cultural way. I don't think he knows who we are, but I'm glad he's agreed to be on the show. It's those things where somebody says, hey, these two guys said they're your cousin. You're like, well, I'm not sure about that, no. Uh, Before we talk to Reese, I do want to – Bubba, I hate to bring this up. Deborah's home was stolen. And and, and I don't mean thieves stole her stuff. I mean that these scammers literally stole her home. And I don't know if if you know whether this can happen or not. The FBI calls home title theft one of the fastest-growing white-collar crimes out there. The, this, the story is why we all need to protect our homes and the home's title with Home Title Lock. She said that criminals found the title to her home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they own the house. But it does get worse. Deborah says that she was evicted from her own home and $85,000 in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen that easily, but you can't. Oh, goodness. And this is why we need home title lock. And, and look, if you want to be secure like us, you need to do this. No insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. I didn't even know that. First things first, go to hometitlelock.com, register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it. Then sign up to help protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah and get uh, and get started now. Uh, I tell you what we got. We got you 60 risk-free days of protection. Okay, you can try it for 60 days. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Let me say it one more time, HomeTitleLock.com. So Reese Davis does join us on Rick and Bubba University. Reese, welcome. Glad to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. And I do know who you are. You guys are legends. We, Reese, Reese, no, no, don't, look, don't do that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, hey, look, you're, you're I'm the not, star here. Okay, let's right. be clear. I'm not, I'm not trying to blow sunshine up your skirt, but everybody knows. <laughs> everybody knows what you guys have done in radio, particularly in the South. Well, well Reese, Reese, you you are a cornerstone on ESPN. Yeah. You're you're one of the best known faces of all sports, and we're we're a big fan of yours, and have been for many many years. And and I we were talking the other day. I said, you know, we've talked about getting Reese on the air with us and and closing this gap a little bit, and we never have. And so we just wanted to buzz you up, and we appreciate you being on the podcast. No, it's my pleasure. Happy to do it, guys. So, Reese Davis, uh, if, if you you have been under a rock or something, or maybe you're not a sports fan, uh, Reese Davis uh, works for ESPN, best known for Sports Center, of course. But you know, college game day, both football and basketball. To me, when I have a Saturday off and I'm ready to watch my favorite college football action, there's nothing better, Reese, than to get up. I go get a cup of coffee. Uh, I, I don't want to give you this visual, but I'm still in my pajamas. <laughs> my hair's all over my head, and I make my way to ESPN. And your voice means I've got a crisp blue fall day, and I'm ready for football action. Well, first of all, uh, thanks for saying pajamas instead of what I feared was coming. Yeah, there when you're still in. But no, I, I appreciate that. I think that that I have. I'm fortunate to have the best job in television. 
working with those guys and covering a sport that I love and have loved since I was a little boy growing up in Alabama is, uh, you know, is a blessing. And, and we take that responsibility seriously and try not to take ourselves seriously and set the stage for a college football Saturday. And there's nothing, nothing quite like it in my, in my judgment. Well, Reese, clue everybody in a little bit who, who, who doesn't know the backstory here. As you said, you, you grew up in Muscle Shoals. You went to the University of Alabama. And uh, how did all this begin for you? Well, I always knew that I wanted to do this, to be in broadcasting. I did think that it would come at the end of a long and illustrious playing career, and that didn't quite work (laughs) out that way. You know, people ask me, did you play college football? And I'll tell them, no, my talent ran out after high school, though my high school teammates would tell you that it ran out a long time before then. Um, You know, so I, I I played high school football and basketball, and, you know, rather nondescript, to put it kindly, career there, and went on to Alabama and, and started pursuing this goal. But I, did, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, some might argue that's still the case. But I, <laughs> I certainly I didn't know how to navigate the business. But I eventually, through some guidance from people at Alabama, I ended up interning at the local CBS in Tuscaloosa and graduated, got a job in Columbus, Georgia, and sort of, you know, fought my way out of there eventually. And, uh, went to Flint, Michigan, and was there about a year and a half, and then got hired by ESPN. And lo and behold, here we are 25 years later, and I've gotten old. And, uh, you know, it's been it been, and hopefully will continue to be for a long time a terrific ride. So, so Reese, talk about that, that uh, because you brought up something. People ask us about this all the time trying to get into business, and we tell them, I don't know that there's anything more valuable than internships. Find a way to go ahead and step into the business. People are much more lenient with you being an intern than, hey, I want to start to work for you, but yet I don't know how to do anything. Internships really start the ball rolling. And, and for you, obviously, it did. I was, I was very lucky. There are a lot of different ways to do internships, and a lot of people want to do them at ESPN or do them with you guys. And it is unlikely that you're going to get on the air doing that. I did my internship in at WCFT at the time, Channel 33 in Tuscaloosa. And while it was a terrific operation and a whole lot of newscasts, uh, we didn't have a lot of bodies. So it didn't take them very long to say, hey, go shoot this. Hey, edit this. Hey, roll the tapes for the show for Mr. Food. I remember, you know, lining up the old three-quarter inch tapes in the deck and having to have them cued to the proper place. And then I think about a month into it, they said, go do a story. And so I, I got on the air. And at the end of the internship, when they had worked me for free for as long as they were allowed to by academic <laughs> and probably legal um, legal areas, they hired me for a whopping salary of five dollars an hour. Oh yes. So um, you know, I was I was working and doing it my senior year at Alabama, and it gave me uh, experience that was very valuable to me. Reese, uh, back to your family a little bit. You, you've been married 25 years. Uh, I see that you have two grown children, but a lot of people may not know that you're actually uh, in a marriage that has kind of a strange mix to it. Why do you say that? <laughs> well, I, I hear rumor that she may have graduated at Auburn and you graduated at Alabama, of course. That, that is that is true. And, uh, you know, we both of our kids uh, have, have their own path now. Uh, you know, my neither of them went to either school though my daughter did look at alabama for a while um but you know it it is initially i think it was more difficult than it is now it doesn't really really impact as much now in terms of that divide but our first date 
was the result of a wager on the Alabama-Auburn football game. Now, we right. met because I was pretending not to know how to use the fax machine <laughs> while faxing some, faxing some credential request to Auburn because, you know, Columbus is about a half hour away from Auburn. Sure. And our, our first date, we bet on the outcome of the Iron Bowl. So I've always been grateful to Gene Stallings that my wife, who at the time was our top sales associate, at the at the station in Columbus and made about 17 times more money than I did. Heck, she made more than the general manager. Sure. Yeah. Her job that um, that she actually had to pay for the state dinner because Gene Stallings stopped that losing streak to Auburn that year in 1990. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you, Alabama was on a bad row. You really you really put yourself out there on that one. I, I did. I know she was worth it. So, uh, <laughs> so I did that, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's good. And, uh, you know, we've been able to, to navigate it. My, my son tends to root for Auburn in the game and my daughter roots for Alabama. So it, it, that way we keep it two, two, uh, throughout the year. Although everybody knows that I have to be fair and equal. But there's no such thing, by the way, there's no such thing as unbiased. What you're called on to do when you do the job that I do is to be fair. That's right. And uh, and hopefully we try to do that. And when you get to know the people involved on both sides, you know, I'm very friendly with Gus and uh, with uh, with Alan Green and a lot of people. And Jay Jacobs before Alan and Auburn uh, become friends. So it's not as difficult as people as people make it out to be sometimes. Well, especially like you said, when you even Bubba and I growing up in Alabama and we thought the team that you were for, it was the end of the universe. And then as you get right. older, you start meeting all these other wonderful people that don't pull for your team. Now you didn't think that was possible. <laughs> and then, and then you realize, wait a minute, now that I've gotten to know all these people, I still care, but I don't care like I did at one time. Right. You know what? It's, it, well, here's what I say. And I think you guys are experiencing the same thing. You give up something to do this. Now, I, I think I have the greatest job in the world, but what you give up, is that uh, unadulterated uh, elation, you know, when your team wins a rivalry game or wins a championship or whatever it might be, uh, you give some of that up. It's not that you're not happy. It's not that you're not proud of them. But you give up a little bit of that just euphoric feeling. But the flip side is, is that when, you know, balls bounce off the running back's butt and the linebacker runs it back 100 yards for a touchdown, then you're not as devastated as you might have been, you know, you know, 30 years That's ago. That's so true. It's 100% true. That I is mean, just, to, just to pull a reference out of thin air. Yeah, yeah, out yeah, of nowhere. Something just out random. Out of nowhere. Random. Yeah, I well, mean, as we've always said, Reese, we, you know, the team we're for is Rick and Bubba. Yeah, at the and, end of it all. And, yeah. and you're probably cheering for ESPN. So, right. you know, that's, and that's all good. Uh, yeah, I cheer. I cheer for game day. We talk a lot about this, you know, Kirk and Desmond Pollock and I, about you reach a point where you root for the show. What's the best storyline for the show? What's the best thing we can talk That's about right. for the show? You know, we, you want the game to be close. I, um, getting off of the SEC side of it, Dan Dockich and I called a Michigan State-Illinois basketball game that, you know, Michigan State jumped to a huge lead. Illinois came back. Michigan State won at the end. And Dockich uh, posted on Twitter the next day that we must have had the perfect broadcast because both Spartan fans and Fighting Illini fans were quite certain we were pulling for the other team. Yeah, that, sure. that's when you do it right. That, yeah. That's what you always root for. You root for the story. That's so. when you're doing it. You know, and speaking of that, back to football, though, with Michigan State, good gracious, what, what in the world – is going on. I, I mean, uh, what 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 do you think? Is there are we gonna is something gonna you know? And you may or may not know, but do you think we're gonna hear? Well, there was something that has taken place. It'll it'll make it all make sense on how we have the. I think I'm gonna retire now, right before signing date. The timing was a little strange on that. Yeah, do you well, know you know what's going on there. 
not exactly. Got a lot of friends there from my time at Flint, and sure. uh, you know, actually was uh, you know I keep in contact with a lot of people at Michigan State. Um, I don't know exactly what Mark D'Antonio's thinking was on it, other than the obvious. He had a retention bonus that was due in mid-January, or mid to late January, $4.3 million, I believe. So obviously he was going to do that. Now, if he had, if he knew for certain that he was going to retire in Michigan State, uh, is a little bit in, in flux in terms of changing leadership because of all of the uh, away from the field and court of play issues that they've had. If they were sticking to their guns and making him say, you know, only getting that bonus if you, you know, if you stay, that was a mistake. Um, what I would have done had I been in that thing, I think, is say, look, are you are you committed to coaching next year? Is that what you want to do? How's your health? Mark is Mark's a great guy. He he looks sour a lot of times, but he's really <laughs> a good dude and he's a tremendous coach. Done an unbelievable job there and is was entitled to that bonus. But if he felt like he had reached a point where he needed to recharge or step away or whatever, the prudent thing for Michigan State to have done would be to say, you can have your bonus uh, for like a, a service bonus. Sure, you, you can have it and we'll, uh, we'll start our coaching search. Now, the other side of this may be that Mark thought at the time that he was going to stay and just reached a point where, you know, he said that he usually takes this time of year to evaluate the program, evaluate himself and staff, and, and see what he needs to do. And maybe he got to that evaluation stage and decided, I can't, you know, I'm not in position to do this the way I want to do it anymore. And maybe it was, you know, just, and that's just the way it happened. Either way, it put Michigan State in a difficult spot. And then they pursued Luke Fickle, and Luke decided to stay at Cincinnati. And then, then they were really up against it. And they and look, I think Mel Tucker's a really good coach, and I think he had a good, solid first year at Colorado. And I'm very, very high on his future as a head coach. But the fact of the matter is, they overpaid to get it. I, I, I mean, mean, you know, they they're paying him six million dollars. Guy, guys won five games. You know, that's uh, you know, that's a lot. That, I couldn't believe the the that sounds like an ESPN salary and of for course, crying out loud. In yeah. Colorado, you've been, <laughs> you've been doing college football long enough, and we talk about it on the air. The Colorado fans got what we call the ultimate kiss of death, and that's when your head coach says he's all in and he's going nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that was you know what, and that's the mistake that Mel made. Now I understand from a human standpoint how that probably happened. He had talked to Michigan State. He thought it wasn't going to work out. There's no reason to think that that's going to come back around, right? Um, but it's the lesson that coach has, uh, coaches have learned time after time after time. Yep. Always leave yourself an out. Or do what the late, great uh, Skip Prosser, the former uh, Wake Forest basketball coach, used to say on all inquiries about his job, his future. He would say, I don't talk about my job. I don't talk about my job. And that sounds like great philosophy. Now, the the downside, there is a downside to it. You can't say, I don't talk about my job, and then call me up and say, hey, Reese, can you believe that I'm the 11th highest paid coach? When I, You can't do that. <laughs> right. you know, so, so, And you can't have your agent do it. That's the flip side. But the upside is you don't get caught in these things where you think one thing is going to happen, as Mel clearly did. He thought the Michigan State ship had sailed no reason to think that it was going to return to harbor and and have the king's ransom in it wanting him to come back aboard um so he said hey i'm committed i'm staying and then things change so 
you know, it's just not wise and not good business, I don't think, for coaches to deal in absolutes. You know who's done this very well? Dabo Sweeney. Among the many things he, he's done well. Yes. Committed to Clemson, but, you know, always – and, look, I don't think he's ever going to leave Clemson. I'll just go ahead and get that out there. But he's smart enough and wise enough to know – um, never say never because yep. they'll pull that back up and say, you said never. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. you know, so it's, um, <laughs> I, I think he's handled it pretty well, and it's probably a lesson that Mel has learned now. Well, I hope so, and you're right, and, and, and to handle it in a way, because a lot of these things you don't know, there's no need to have that kind of hyperbole and make these out, these right. so final statements when all of us know life doesn't really work that way. Right. It, it doesn't, and things change for coaches, uh, administrations change. I think it's one of the things that made the Michigan State search difficult for them as the coaches were questioning, well, who's going to who's going to be the athletic director long term? You know, what what are we you know, what's the long term situation with the university president? What's the level of commitment? All of those types of things. And those things can change. There, there can be personality conflicts. There can be just changes in goals. Uh, you know, all kinds of things can happen. And you've got no way of looking ahead and knowing I'm completely okay in a free market system with coaches getting what's best for them. It's the same reason that I believe players ought to be able to transfer and play, you know, and, you know, things might change if we uh, reach a resolution on this whole name, image, and likeness type thing. But right now we say that they are the most made up term in the world, by the way, student athletes. You, you guys know they made that term up to avoid workman's comp cases, right. but uh, you know, if we say that they're going to be like other students, well, other students can go to school wherever they want. Yep. And, you know, so I'm, I think this proposal that the Big Ten has put forth, one-time transfer, no penalty, I think is, uh, I think is a good one. The, the caveat I would add is one year on campus. What I told both of my kids when they went to school is, and fortunately I didn't have to deal with this, but I, I said, it is likely that you're going to get at some point early on and think, I have made a colossal error and you're going to want to leave. And I said, college is not a sentence instituted by the courts. I said, <laughs> if, you, if you think you've made a mistake, then we will, we will reevaluate that. All I ask in return is you give it one full year. Yeah. Because I think almost every student athlete or not, and one of my one of my children is a student athlete. And I hate that term. He's a player and a student, and uh, and my daughter is not. Um, so, but both of them will would be likely to run into the same type of homesickness things. Give me a year, then we'll make an evaluation. And I think that would be the caveat I would offer to the Big Ten proposal. Otherwise, I'm all for it, and I'm certainly all for graduate transfers being able to go play wherever they want. Yeah, and student athletes, uh, like you said, if you're a student, you can get a job and have a little spending money, yep. you know, have a little date money. And uh, with athletics now, there's so much time involved with it, a lot of volunteer workouts. You, you just don't have time for that. Uh, not the traditional type of job. And that's why I think that – and coaches can make rules, establishing parameters under which or maybe it's a collective licensing deal, which I know is – far more complicated than me just throwing out there and saying, let's do collective licensing. That's easy. But I don't see anything in the, in the world ethically wrong with uh, Tua Tagovailoa, um, you know, signing autographs at a Birmingham car dealership. What in the world's wrong with that? How does that compromise anything? 
you know, Nick Saban can make rules and say, well, we're not going to do this type of thing in the season or, you know, we're not going to, uh, you know, do it and t- except during this time period in the offseason. If you don't like that, then you're not going to be, you know, part of our program. Th- those are all reasonable rules. But at the same time, if, uh, you know, if somebody wants to, you know, bring players in for appearances that are going to, you know, uh, endorse a certain product because – it will be crazy at the beginning, but sooner or later, the market, I believe, will correct that. Yeah, because yeah. how many how many times would it take? Uh, take and I don't. Let's everybody will know who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to call a name. I don't want to <laughs> disparage anyone. You get a great five star pass rusher, right? And he comes to campus, and everybody's all excited, and somebody gives him. Uh, you know, money and they pay taxes on it or whatever. And he's got a he's got a quote unquote endorsement or uh, some type of endorsement deal or representative deal. Well, then he doesn't work out. He doesn't he doesn't play well. He, he gets, you know, dismissed from the team. How many times will it take before the business guys say, uh, you know what? Let me let me wait and see him sack a few quarterbacks first. When he does that, develop some type of uh, value. Then we'll then we'll get into it and you know maybe uh, maybe establish some type of relationship with him. I know that's way down in the weeds, but I I don't that does not compromise your academic pursuits. It just doesn't. And certainly, if coaches can uh, run these multi million dollar programs that they do and do so well, they can establish some parameters under which uh, their players can do it without being overly disruptive to their team culture. No, no doubt. I mean, being the son of a former college football coach, my dad was saying, I don't think people understand the level of poverty of some of these players when they get here. And when they get into those times when everybody goes home and they can't afford to get back home, uh, the cafeteria is not available during these hours. And, you know, I, I can't even go get the kid a hamburger. I mean, uh, we, we can't, we, the kid can't go out and sign a few autographs to get you know, some shoes to wear to school. You know, it's hard to wear cleats to school. You know, and, and, and this kind of stuff. He said, I, I think there's and a mark the floor up. Right? I think there's a gross misconception out there that what we're talking about, and it was more along the lines of what you're saying, Reese. We're talking about some level headed, common sense things to help some of these players when they're in, they're in they're in situations that we have no clue about. And, and you know what, guys, just to do things as you and I, uh, as the three of us, get to do now, we. Uh, for whatever reason, and in certain instances, we have some value out there, and people, you know, people want to have us come speak or come make an appearance or whatever it might yeah. be, and we're we're free to do that. And I, I, and you know what, students are free to do that. If you have a a student who is a musical prodigy, and someone yeah. sees or hears them perform, they're allowed to perform with professional artists, and you know, they're compensated for their talent, and. I don't think the school should be in business of paying them. I think that basically just treat them like the other students. If they have value in the market, you know, Johnny Manziel had a a flash in the pros, but was he ever more popular than he was uh, those two years at Texas A&M? No, he was not. Uh, You know, that that was he was at the zenith of his popularity. Uh, And there are many, many other examples like that. Uh, the one thing that I'm really glad about that common sense has prevailed and, and the NCAA hopefully is moving in the right direction on other matters as well, but they can feed them whatever they want, uh, uh, wherever they want. I, I, Good. Mentioned, I mentioned the basketball game again and to the point about the food. Um, 
Illinois has a, a young man who, who was born in Republic of Georgia, uh, came over in high school, and um, you know his, his grandparents still live in a difficult situation overseas, uh, Georgie Bishanishvili. And when they were when he first got to Illinois, all the fresh fruit, the bagels, the different things, uh, every, you know, he was packing stuff up and taking it back to his room his first year saying, I can't believe I can have all of this. Yeah. And, you know, he's become yeah, wow. accustomed to it now. But, uh, you know, that was a common sense thing moving the right direction. The NCAA now allows they can feed the athletes uh, whenever they want and whenever they want to feed, whatever the schools deem appropriate. Reese, uh, let us ask you about SEC football. Of course, we're in the middle of that here. We deal with it a lot. We've had two new coaching additions uh, in Mississippi to the SEC West. As a sports journalist, can it get any better than this? <laughs> no, man. I got. I'm glad we're talking about fun stuff now. I mean, the the state of Mississippi, all of a sudden, with. Uh, uh, with Lano and um, and Mike Leach rolling in there, that's uh, that's going to be some great theater. Leach has already made his mark on social media with uh, with the various memes and tweets that he puts out there, and the press conferences would just be gold. A couple of years ago on uh, on game day, we did a almost weekly thing, uh, shallow musings by Mike Leach, when he might you know talk about you know. Uh, which mascot was the toughest right. or, you know, how the perfect way to make a burrito or whatever. Uh, coaches meetings with Leach are, are unbelievable. He'll be right in the middle of talking about a matchup between a wide receiver and, and the opposing cornerback, and he'll look at you and go, hey, have you, have you had some of this Cuban coffee? Hey, go get them some of this Cuban coffee. And, you know, and then all of a sudden now he's, he's on a tangent about how to make the greatest uh, cup of Cuban coffee or something. He's, I, I really enjoy Mike's company. And I think he's a, uh, he's an interesting guy and a brilliant offensive coach. And he's, I think he's had the urge for a while to see if uh, his methods would work against the level of athlete that you face on defense in the sec. And I guess we're going to find out pretty soon. And obviously Lane brings a, uh, brings a big splash to Ole Miss and there will be, uh, you know, there will be a veritable, a uh, fountain of fresh water flowing uh, for uh, for us to talk about from Oxford, Mississippi. You know, sure. you know, I think there's a lot of people outside of Mississippi for the first time ever are marking on their calendar the Egg Bowl. No, I was going to say uh, game day, <laughs> Greece game day. Have you already looked to see where the where the Egg Bowl is going to be played? I think uh, I think Egg Bowl and Egg Bowl still Thanksgiving night. So, yes, uh, and that would, and if there is nothing more. Uh, the bountiful harvest upon our table. I think at the end of all of our prayers, we could go and thank you for the upcoming Egg Bowl. Not that we don't always, but we probably will even more. Even yeah. More. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Do, do you think, though, on a bit of a serious note, you know, sometimes all of us in the SEC involving football especially, we take ourselves very serious. Do you think Leach can, can survive in a climate? I think he's at the right school. But do you think that, uh, that that there will be will, will the SEC fans tire of the silliness if he doesn't win? All all depends if you win. Yeah, I mean that that's the I think that's the way it is anywhere. If if they win, then the memes are better, funnier. You know, the press conferences are more amusing and more you know eccentric and great. And isn't this great? It doesn't have to all be you know serious football. Um, you get beat thirty eight to six by Missouri. And then all of a sudden, it's not as cute anymore. It's just, that's life, you know. Um, the one thing I think the misconception is Mike is very 
serious about football. He's tough. His, his teams, his teams typically, his best teams have an edge to them, and that will that will be in keeping with what the good Mississippi State teams over the years, when they have been good, uh, they've been physical and they've been tough. And Mike does not. Uh, uh, you know, his offense may be spread all over the place, but he likes to see people get hit in the mouth. So his teams, you know, they're not going to be soft. They're not going to be playing grab fanny out there. They'll try to put shoulder pads on you. Reese, as, as much as we're enjoying the potential for Mike Leach and and Lane coming in, uh, if, you were, if you were coaching and you were going to be a coach, though, is it not scary to come into the meat grinder of the SEC West? I mean, there are no off weeks. No, there aren't. And, you know, a couple of things. First of all, I think if you're a competitor and you believe you're great, then you don't shy away from that. That said, um, and, I don't, and I'm sure I'm going to make my good friends at uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss angry, I'll need to see it in terms of winning championships because I'm, you know, I'm 54 years old. My fir- the first football season I remember is 1971. Uh, I remember all of them in between and I haven't seen it yet. So while I've got great regard for what they're doing and I think that they can be good um, for them to prove to be great and be a consistent threat to the Alabamas and LSUs in that division and Texas A&M, who I think will, you know, will get there, although there's certainly no history there that they're going to win the championship in our lifetime. But I, I do think with their resources and with Jimbo Fisher that that has changed that dynamic a bit and will over the next few years. Uh, you know, and Auburn has been in the mix, um, you know, frequently over the last several years. I'll need to see it for them to rise to that level. I think a reasonable expectation, not that fans should have. This is perfectly fine for fans to think they should win the championship every year, no matter what their school is. But I think a reasonable expectation for both of those programs is to build and try to capture the, the great year. Uh, as Mississippi State came very close to doing in, what what was that, 14, I guess? Yeah, that right. And it got to number one. Right. Build and get to that. Uh, have your Eli Manning year and get to that and finish the deal. And then try to cycle back up. You know, don't lose the Arkansas game when you have your year, uh, whatever fifteen or whatever that year was with Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. You know, don't miss those opportunities, but don't expect. Uh, I shouldn't say don't expect that the the players and the coaches inside the program should expect to win every game and try to win every game. But looking at it from a detached view, there is no reasonable expectation that Ole Miss is going to be as consistently elite as Alabama ever. Uh, it hasn't ever happened before. There's no reason to ha- think it will happen again until we see it. And if we're proven wrong, well, then hotty toddy. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know. But uh, up until then, uh, that's that's sort of the way I look at it for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Be be solid. Have a great foundation. Build to those special years. Be good in the other years and try to build to the special year and be great from time to time. Well, Reese, I can tell you, um, having a kid that played in the SEC and going to some of the places, but now even more so, I have a son that attends Mississippi State, and their fan base really has the attitude that you just described. It was, it was you know, an interesting shift coming from being involved in Alabama and Auburn, but that really is sort of their mentality. I, I think the fans of Mississippi State, I can't speak to Ole Miss, but the fans of Mississippi State really just desire to be in the mix. They, they don't want to lose games they shouldn't lose. They want to knock somebody off every now and then they shouldn't knock off. 
and they just want to know that when they come to the stadium, they have a team that has a chance, but they really don't have expectations beyond that. They seem to be kind of in a football reality, and their standard is pretty much what you just described. And, and I don't think there's anything anything wrong with it, and there's certainly not anything wrong that once you achieve that consistently and you avoid the the you know long periods of backsliding, there's nothing wrong with aspiring to something more. I'm not you know I'm not saying they shouldn't aspire to something more, but you've got to get to that place consistently first, and then build on it. Particularly uh, when your history doesn't indicate that you know you've had the ability to achieve at that level over long periods of time. Um, Look, I'm a, I don't mean to go on a tangent. I think Dan Mullen is an elite coach. Mm. What he did at Mississippi State yes. was phenomenal. You know, phenomenal. Jackie Sherrill had a great run. I've got a lot of regard for what Jackie did there. Uh, you know, Emery Ballard had good teams back when I was a kid. But what Dan did there, um, you know, was was just just outstanding. I think he's one of the best offensive coaches in the country. And he, he built an edge. He he understood it was, uh, at its core, a developmental program. All of them are. But, I mean, finding the quote-unquote hidden gems and, and developing them or guys who've been a little overlooked or guys who may be – uh, end up being just as good as any of the five stars that signed at Alabama, Auburn, or LSU. But maybe at this point in their development, they're not there yet. They're going to be. Having that eye for it, that's what Dan was great at. And Mike has, has a long and proven history of, um, of those types of guys. That's the, those are the types of guys you get at Texas Tech and at Washington State. And obviously everybody knows you know, from Ole Miss's standpoint that Lane is uh, an excellent offensive mind. It'll be interesting to see how he views that program because his background, being at SC, being at Tennessee, uh, you know, in Alabama, prior to the FAU trip, which might have changed his outlook some, um, he's dealing with guys who are closer to being, um, I don't want to say ready-made because no one is. Everybody has to get better when they go to college. But they are closer to being developed and, uh, and ready to perform at a high level. It'd be interesting to see how he approaches his recruiting and development at, at Ole Miss as well. Just a, a couple other things, Reese. I wanted to ask you. One, you do uh, obviously shows in the studio, and you do them out on location with the game day. How much more difficult is it for you, technically and focus wise, to do the shows on the road versus the studio? Is it is it awful distracting? Technical issues. Uh, you know, the logistics of getting there. How, how do those compare to each other? You know, I mean, I do so few shows in studio now, in an actual studio. Now, that was, you know, my background, you know, 15 years, 16 years, whatever it was. I was in the college football studio, certainly used to that. But I've also, for 16 years, done the basketball show and now headed to my sixth year in college game day football. Uh, that has become more the norm. The distraction piece of it I, is not really a factor. Um, you know, it's, it's loud. You like a little energy behind you. But, um, you know, you've got the double ear pieces. It doesn't block out. You don't want everything blocked out. But it, it allows you to be able to hear what's being said on the set and what's being told to you, you know, from the truck about time and, you know, any changes you might have, stuff like that. The distraction piece is not a, is not a big deal. I think the one thing that is uh, – that I really enjoy is the adrenaline rush that you get from a great crowd. And it's, you know, 
we have, we remind ourselves regularly that there are far more people watching at home that the first priority uh, is to give the people watching on television at home a great show. But a big piece of that is being able to connect with the crowd that is actually on site. So we try to strike that balance as much as we can to make the people at home feel like that they're in the crowd with us and try to give the people in the crowd a great show too. But you, you have to you have to strike that balance. But I haven't really uh, you know, I haven't really worried about distraction or you know noise bothering you or anything like that. I I have this philosophy that you know I always want to maintain my composure. If a giant light falls on the set, in front yeah. of me, I want to take my hand and swipe it away and say, "Yeah, we'll get that cleaned up for you." Meanwhile, you know Auburn really needs to convert on third downs today against LSU. You know stuff like that. So um, you know that's that's kind of how I how I approach it. But I I love the atmosphere. The, being able to be on campus for a big college football Saturday and to uh, the smells that are in the air, uh, the, you know, of things cooking at tailgates, uh, uh, other things that might lighten the mood for some of the people in attendance <laughs> and, you know, just the, the feeling of those crisp fall days that you guys described earlier and the anticipation of what is to come and, and that stadium and how important it is to people. Uh, you know, there's just, there's just really nothing like it to me. Reese, uh, one more question. Away from football and basketball, your love of that, we, we know. Is there another sport that you really enjoy that you might enjoy being a part of sometime? And is in the second part of that, is there a sport that if ESPN told you you had to go cover, you would be like, oh, no, not that? <laughs> uh, you know, I've done a lot of those. I I can. Here's the example, and I hope I don't alienate some of some of your audience by saying this. But I think it was 1998, maybe uh, my third year at ESPN. I got a call, and I was doing the NBA Tonight show, the old those old two night genre shows on ESPN two, and really really enjoyed doing that show. And I got a call, and they said, "Hey, we'd like for you to switch to RPM tonight, which was the car racing show." And I said, uh, "Look." If you if you think, hey, let's get the Southern dude to do the race car show, I said, you have got the wrong guy. I, I said, uh, I've been to one car race in my life, and it was working in television, covering the race. I don't know anything about it. I said, if you want, I said, you know, look, I know, knew who Dale Earnhardt was, Dale Jarrett. But I said, if you want me to do it, I said, I will learn it, and I will dive into it. I said, but don't expect that because I grew up in Alabama that I know this stuff because I do not. I don't have a big interest in it. Um, but I did. I made the move and I learned it and it was rewarding and I enjoyed it. And I, I'm covering the two sports that I love. Now, I love college baseball the most because my son's a college baseball player. So I, I care and am emotionally invested in that. Um, but, you know, beyond that, in terms of professional uh, professional thing. I'm covering the two sports that that I love the most. And I've done horse racing. I've done hockey. Uh, I've even uh, hosted World Cup in European soccer uh, during my time at ESPN. So I can't really think of any that I would say, uh, oh, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. The, the one thing where I think where a man's got to know his limitations is that, um, you know, I'm not well versed enough to do to do golf for instance. And I don't, uh, I think that would be one where I would say, sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, my background is not such that would allow me to do it to the level that I would 
want to do it. So maybe that, but just about anything else I'd, I'd be game for. I'd, I'd go learn. I, I like how you worked around soccer. Well done. Uh, <laughs> no, the, hey, hey, you know what? Don't say it. Don't say it. It was better than I thought. Don't say it. Don't say that, Reese. Reese, please don't say that. We struggle with soccer. We just please, can't. Please, I mean, we, if they, maybe if they set the ball on fire or did away with a goalie or something, you know. <laughs> Reese, please. It's just we can't get into it. Here's what, I, here's what I've said uh, jokingly. Uh, I was saying, you know, um, this whole deal where they don't let you grab it with your hands, the good Lord put hands at the end of the arm so that you could pick up the ball, apply five points of pressure, lower your shoulder, and get the first down. You know, <laughs> you don't always have to kick it, you know? <laughs> Reese, we, we, we've, got, we've got about three minutes, but tell me about the dynamic of the team on game day. I know sometimes – People do things professionally, and they do great professionally. But away from their profession, you know, they may or may not be the kind of group that would hang out together. We think you all are the kind that you like each other. And I'm not looking for dirt or anything like that. I'm talking about in general. I'm looking for dirt. Yeah, but, I mean, do you guys all get along as well as it seems? Do you you remember the old Red Sox teams that they said 25 guys and 25 cabs? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's not us. <laughs> we, no, we get we get along really well, and uh, I think that's one of the things that makes the show work is that we do we do spend time together. Now, are there are there the occasional spats or disagreements or yeah, okay, I've been around this person or that person enough for a couple of weeks. Maybe we'll you know give ourselves a little space. Sure, I mean, but we spend a lot of time together. Some of the best times that we have. Uh, actually come after the show when we uh, you know get on one of the buses either the game day bus or the all-state bus if the ABC guys are there and watch games together and you know and, and talk and talk junk you it, it's fun but it also can be instructive because you find out what guys value and what they care about so and uh, it's it's a lot of fun but you know to that end I was texting with Pollock uh, yesterday, uh, you know, I talked to Herbie on the phone probably two, three days ago. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep in touch with Desmond. I think, uh, you know, my wife and I are going to be down close to where he and his wife live. We'll have, we'll have dinner together. And, you know, it's, um, it, it is, it is that we're very, very fortunate. I'm fortunate in basketball too, because I, I don't know if you can see in my office here, I've got, a well, uh, it's the wrong way. I've got I've got There's Billis Jay's, jersey yeah. on the wall and yeah. Billis and Ma- Mark Mays jersey. Look how yep. bad I'm with the camera. That's, <laughs> That's right. See, uh, you got Billis and Mark Mays jersey on the wall. So I've been very fortunate to work with with work with guys with whom I've developed a good relationship. I would show you Desmond's jersey, which I also have on the wall. But after that last little camera experience, I don't think you want that. Anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, Reese, can, can I tell you one of my favorite things you do? is when somebody says something that is absolutely ridiculous, okay? It's just a dumb comment. You don't disparage them, but we can tell by the look on your face you thought it was a dumb well, comment, and then you move right He's on. Southern, so he, he does it subtly. <laughs> you have to be polite. You know, the guys, some of the guys really uh, uh, mess around with you, especially the producers, because I hate, hate it. I threatened to put my hands on Dan Levitard if he said it again. If he called me a traffic cop, call me a traffic cop or say tee up the analyst. I'm like, hey man, I've got stuff to do. I've got a family. I got things I can do. If you want, uh, you know, if you want somebody just to put something on a tee, I said, well, there. I mean, there are trained seals that go on. You know, uh, uh, pets have talent or whatever. They can put stuff on a tee. You can run run the seal out here. You know, I mean, a, a good host is involved in the conversation. 
It doesn't mean that I argue with Pollock about hand placement for a defensive lineman or uh, argue with Herbie about the uh, proper footwork for a quarterback. That's not what I'm talking about. But we can have reasonable differences and both valid differences about um, whether a team should have gone for it on third down, whether a team is playing with the proper motivation, you know, whether a coach is a right fit for a job. All those things are reasonable things that you can have discussions about. And I think that when hosts do their job well, they're not overbearing and they pick their spots. And, uh, you know, look, I'm not 100 percent on that. Nobody is. But you try to pick your spot and it's OK to have uh, a judgment or an opinion about a situation. You should. And um, it's you know, it, the thing is, is no knowing what areas you ought to be able to do that and other areas that you perhaps, uh, um, you know, let, let the guys go. All right, last thing. It appears to me that Herbie's been assigned Lee Corso. Um, I thought Lee retired like two years ago. We did a big send-off, and I, I feel like Herbie, it's like my dad's 79 now, and I mm-hmm. feel like that Herbie's been assigned, assigned Lee. Uh, it, 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 he's still bringing a lot to the table, but Funny. Lee, Lee's Funny. getting up there. I, I wouldn't say – I don't think um, – not to mince over words. I don't think assigned is, is the right way to put it. Right. I think the best way to put it is there is a, there is a genuine, deep love yep. between those two. And, I, and I've told them those, both this, especially Kirk. I said – and this is not you know, guys busting chops. Sure. This is genuine, sincere. I think it's sweet. Yeah. It, it's kind. It's it's genuine because Lee is an institution, no doubt, and he is so important to the fabric of that show and the college football at large. And he he is getting older, and while he is still in great physical shape, um, you know there are moments, uh, you know, with his recovery from the stroke several years back, sure. that you know that you want to make sure that he's taken care of. And, and Kirk's affection and love for him is such that he, you know, he takes that seriously. And nobody, you know, nobody gets after LC the way Kirk does either. You know, <laughs> no, you're right. Messing yeah. with him. But it's uh, it, it, it comes from a place uh, they've been together for so long. And there is such a deep bond between those two that it has, uh, you know, that I think it manifests itself on the show. And I think people, I think people love it and appreciate it because you just mentioned your dad. Yeah. I think people see themselves with their, with their dad, with their granddad, no doubt. Uh, you know, and they, and they value that type of relationship. And I think it's really, special. and that's what it does look like. It, lo- it looks like it was, it's his dad and he's looking after him and at the same time reveres him. And, and yeah. y'all do a great job, Reese on that and basketball, man, you, you guys just make, uh, I mean, you're, you're part of the sport. You make it worthwhile to us as, as fans watching and talking about, and it's uh, it's just a big part of our Saturdays now. Yeah, so we we just love it, and thanks for taking time to be with us. I know you got a lot going on. We've been wanting to talk with you, and uh, we're just grateful that you took time to be with us today. Anytime, guys, and congratulations on all your success, and uh, thanks for thanks for having me on. All right, and thanks for getting a few Rick and Bubba signs on game day. We appreciate that very much. <laughs> you bet. All right, man. <laughs> thanks, Reese. See right. you, uh, Reese Davis. Thank you for being with us, and I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Rick and Bubba University.